the verses that we had for today from Genesis chapter 3 of, of God we picture in the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve who have already fallen into sin are in hiding when they hear God's coming and they don't answer when he calls out. And then, then there's that dialogue about we were afraid because we knew we were naked and who told you. And then in the, in the last verse comes, comes really a powerful, uh, not concept, but, but truth that, that Satan will be crushed, that there will be redemption, that there will be forgiveness, um, but that there still are difficulties. Last week we, we were using the Apostle Paul's words, if you were here, talking about we have, this, we have this treasure, this forgiveness, this promise of life eternal from God and Jesus Christ. We have them in these earthen vessels, these clay pots. We talked a lot about that and how difficult life is this side of heaven even for us as Christian people because of the difficulties that every single day might, might bring, including the fact that as you confess in the privacy of your own hearts before God, we're, we're sinful human beings. And, and week in and week out in church and our home Bible studies at home and our devotions with our families, it keeps coming back that reoccurring thing that yes, there is victory, Satan's crushed, but what do I do? What do I do right now? So today we're looking at it from a standpoint of saying there's the fall into sin, there's a promise from God for redemption, there's the fulfillment that is ours in and through Jesus Christ, and the result is Satan has already lost and been defeated. And heaven awaits us when we leave what we call this veil of tears, as the old prayer in the old Lutheran hymnal talks about. And, and then it's a matter of, with all of that in place, it comes back, and I'm going to end, not to be negative, but we end with the dilemma of, the dilemma of saying we're saint sinner at the same time, right? When I used to teach confirmation class, I, I used to tell the the seventh and eighth graders that I taught for all those years, you know, if you follow me around for just a while at any given day, just follow me. Listen to what's said, what's done, you know, and we confess what by thought, word, and deed. I said, if you follow me around at any given day, I'm sorry to say you're going to see that I'm a sinner. I can't hide that. But at the same time, if you follow me around, besides my sin being constantly before me, you better be able to also see Christ that lives in me. And it's both at, this, at the same, same time. I, I watch TV at home, a uh, lot of sports. I like sports. It's been quite a sports week. Stanley Cup, the NBA Finals, and a new Triple Crown winner all in, all in one week. My, my TV watching, as much as my family regrets, is usually Andy of Mayberry, and Barney and Otis and all of those. I like those old reruns, and I'm not too in tune. The Pokemon, I you know, don't know about it. 
And I understand, I have not seen it before, but I understand with reality TV, you know, there's shows once called Naked and Afraid. I won't ask you before God and these witnesses if you watch it. Uh, Naked and Afraid, where people get dropped off with no clothing, I guess, in various parts of the world and they have to make it and get out, uh, whatever, whatever that is. But I, I'm thinking, you know what? Genesis 3, it's kind of like the first reality thing of naked and afraid. God, God made a perfect world. Mankind messed it up. They, they were hiding from God when they fell into sin and did what God told them not to do. And their answer to God was we were hiding because... We knew we were naked. God said, who, who told me that? But it's curious how sin showed itself to those people. Right? Blame got passed. Right? Blame got passed. The serpent. The woman. Yeah, you know, it just goes boom, 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 boom. No one wanted to fess up to say, it was me. It was me. And God came into that saying, because you have sinned, there's punishment. Life's going to be awful. Childbirth is not going to be fun. Farming isn't going to be easy. You think back to the first family that God created, the first murder is a brother slays another brother over an offering to God. When Cain killed Abel, it was about a gift left at the altar. There's punishment. There's death. There's placing a blame. And unfortunately, we of the Christian faith living today do the same thing. It's easier to blame somebody else for our faults and for our misgivings and for our doubt and for our sin. It's, even, it's easier to say, it's their fault, not mine. In the midst of that brokenness, that separation, God comes in immediately, immediately with a promise that there's going to be a way out, you know? Immediately, he comes in with the promise that there is going to be salvation, that there is going to be life that's hard and difficult, but that victory is going to be at hand. For us, if you think about it, we're post-resurrection Christians, right? Uh, Jesus has lived, suffered, died, rose again. We live in the, in the glow of that victory that says Christ has lived, died, forgives your sin, and there's new life in his name. The promise has been fulfilled, and thank God by the power of the Holy Spirit that people of all ages, of all races, believe in that salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ through the promise. It came in the fulfillment of Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God. You know, we, we speak the creed, we'll be speaking it today, the Apostles' Creed, when I get done here. 
And when you hear the creed, I'll remind you of the fact that the creed is divided, although it's for the Trinity, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When it gets to the person of Jesus Christ, that second article of the creed, of the Apostles' Creed, that states who Jesus was, they divide that, and it's divided into the state of humiliation and the state of exaltation. So the state of humiliation and the part of the creed that says, I believe in Jesus Christ, all right? Conceived, born, lived, suffered, died, right? Humiliation. Christ became humble even to obedience unto death on the cross. And there is that part of the creed that talks about the, the humiliation of Jesus becoming God and man at the same time for us. Then the exaltation, we usually think about all of those words in the Apostles' Creed that deal with, you know, risen, lives, the descent to hell. He descended into hell. Where does that fall for you in the mind of saying, is that humiliation? Is that suffering? Or is it exaltation? And I'm here to tell you it was exaltation. When Jesus died, and, he, and it said he descended into hell, it was to go to tell Satan in the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 that he lost. He didn't go there to suffer. He went there to say, you lost. You have no power over me. You have lost. I've paid the punishment of sin for Adam and Eve and all of their descendants that will ever follow them. You have lost. They can raise up a crown of victory even in the midst of lives that are burned and in need and suffering and all of that you have lost. I, I like sports, you know, and I, I, I didn't get to see the final games due to some, some other um, commitments that my wife and I had made. But I, I, I'm trying to envision and I watched a little bit after the fact just to check who won and stuff, you know. And to see these pro basketball players, whether you like sports or not, holding up the victorious trophy for the NBA. And, and the fact that the Washington Capitals and, and the Vegas Knights, two hockey teams that neither of them had ever won the Stanley Cup, to see these grown men in tears and hugging and carrying the trophy high above their heads and passing at one another while their fans are screaming. And I did see the horse race yesterday. I was busy and, and to hear that there's a triple crown winner and all that, you know? That kind of victory, that elation, that joy, that matter of saying, it's done, we won. That's what God gives to you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in hiding. You don't have to live in fear of condemnation. Yes, sin is still an enormous stumbling block. But you can face it as winners, not losers. That's what God does for us in Jesus Christ. The result is Satan is crushed. I, I have shared this with you before. I apologize for sharing it again. 
my vicarage years ago in 1978, Eastern Montana, and a rancher said, come with me, I need help. Massive fields, miles long, turning hay bales over so that they could dry out and putting them into the barns. And I was in good shape back then, young and skinny, and we had a pair of shorts on and shoes and bailing hooks. And we're running the prairies of Montana past Glendive, and we're running and flipping these bales. And I hate snakes, not hate them, but I'm not fond of them. And I'm running along and I pick up this bale and I'm sweating like a banshee and we had run miles. And I get to this corner of a field and I hit the hay bale and I flipped it up and I see a body of a snake coming with rattles on it. And the rattles hit me right between the eyes. It hit, I, there may have been bodily functions that just happened, I won't go there. But, uh, <laughs> That rattle hit me right between the eyes. I dropped to the ground, about passed out this long body of a rattlesnake that went through the baler. And the body was intact, but the head was crushed. Crushed. That's what Jesus' death and resurrection for us spiritually. He gives us his life in our place that sin's forgiven every single time we sin is forgiven. That heaven awaits us not a what if but it is a sure and certain thing when this life ends you go into the arms of Jesus Christ forever, forever. And that is a great, great thing. The dilemma comes, and I put it to you, you know it well. How do you live this side of heaven? Truly. How does God's relationship with you through the death and resurrection of his son how does that affect your daily living now? Not, not say when I'm in heaven, it'll all be great, it'll all be perfect, it'll all be wonderful. How does that true news of salvation affect you today? There are people who claim relationship with Jesus Christ that say, if Jesus will forgive all my sin, and I know people like this, if Jesus will forgive all of my sin, I can live any way that I please because it won't matter. There are people like ourselves at time where fear gets the best of us. And when fear grabs a hold of us, it can easily, even in the matter of the church, because we might be afraid to try something, and it just stops us from doing anything. How do we live? Attitudes need changing, right? Attitudes need changing. My heart needs changing every single day to have the attitude that Christ had for me. It's not a normal thing for us to be servants. It's not a normal thing for us to give up ourselves and live for him, but he did it for us. And that aspect of blaming, you know, it, I would think it would get tiring in your relationships between 
maybe your spouses, your children, your families, your co-workers, if you live constantly under the, under the aspect of saying, I'm going to find fault with you. I can tell you right now, you will. It's just, it'll be there. It'll be there anywhere, including in the church. Or how do we live? It's easy to go, Lord, it's me again. The same sins happened again. Forgive me, Jesus. But if the forgiveness stops there, if it doesn't flow through me or you, if we receive that, what kind of gift is it if we receive the forgiveness that Jesus Christ gives to us and we can't in turn turn to another person and offer them that same forgiveness? And by the way, Jesus wasn't kidding around when he taught the Lord's Prayer to his disciples when they said, teach us how to pray. And we pray, we will again. Father, what? Forgive us, right? As we forgive others. Does that happen? I take you back to the fact that we're sinners. If I follow you around, you follow me around, you'll hear it, see it, it is a reality. But my goodness, the Holy Spirit has entered you and me and given us eyes of faith in a Lord and Savior who took our place, who suffered, died, rose again, who did what God promised to Adam and Eve in the garden, who crushed the head of the evil one. And even though there's still evil and even though there's still sin and all of the struggles that go with it, there's victory. There's victory today. Today, I pray that you and I can again live in the joy of knowing, personally knowing, that Satan's lost, that Christ has won, and that victory, eternal victory, he gives to us as a free gift. Then live it. Stop hiding. Stop being afraid. Let the love of Christ not just come to you and dwell in you, but be the vessel that it flows through. That Christ has lived to others. I pray that boldly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand if you're physically able as we speak the words of faith the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of